0: Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series interviews with top mortgage sales leaders learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is so oh. important. It's implementing culture change in an organization, and I have the perfect person to discuss this. This is Ellie Fordyce. She's the Chief People Officer at Wisteria. Prior to that, she was with Elevations, and she is responsible for the strategies and the implementation, so I'm thrilled to have you. Hi, Ellie. Hi. Well, we're great to have this topic because I know this is going to be super popular. But before we kind of jump into it, talk about how did you get into financial services? What was your career path?
1: Sure. My career path was a little bit odd, actually. I was a dog trainer and I had a uh, dog training business and I was looking for a part-time job where I could get benefits and back uh, at this time there weren't very many options except for my local credit union. So I got a job there as a teller. It was supposed to be temporary and pretty quickly within a few months, I actually transferred into a corporate trainer role because training dogs is actually training people to train their dog. And so the skills (laughs) aligned. And so I became a corporate trainer and that was in the HR team. And so I moved into HR and I've been in HR and credit unions ever since.
0: Yeah, that's an incredible story. I'm going to have to talk to you about my dog. (laughs) Yes, that
1: could be another podcast.
0: Yeah, true. (laughs) Well, let's talk about the challenges in your current position. So talk about kind of what are you running across in 2022?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, gosh, it's an interesting time, especially in in HR and in financial services. And I'd say, you know, the biggest challenges for us right now are in the market, um, the demands of the market from the financial services standpoint and the the talent standpoint. You know, last year, I think a lot of us faced a lot of changes with staff and turnover and we're kind of um, at a tipping point with culture. You know, organizations have to deliver what the talent market wants and needs. And so that's kind of what we're up against right now.
0: So when you look at the trends that are currently going on, what do you see in the financial services this year that maybe people aren't discussing and maybe in a longer term view going out maybe three to five years? What are the trends? Is remote working going to be permanent? What are your thoughts on all of that?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, That's a hot topic right now. So we've actually spent a lot of time on this topic over the last couple of years. We've moved into a a fully hybrid model and we're supporting uh, that stance.
0: If you look like maybe three to five years out, how do you think younger people getting attracted to the financial sector, do you see that as an issue or is just certainly due to the COVID that there's been problems with attracting them?
1: I don't think it'll be an issue if we kind of stay ahead of the curve. I do think we just have to be aware of what people want. I actually was reading an article yesterday about about this and kind of what the different generations desire from financial services. And, you know, there's there's things like, what's your stance on diversity, equity, and inclusion? How are Mm -hmm. you investing your dollars? Are you looking at ESGs and things like that? What is your flexibility and, you know, overall work model? All of those things we have to keep front of mind because if we keep operating kind of like how we did in the past, I don't think we'll be able to attract people into our industry in the future. But as long as we stay ahead of the curve, it shouldn't be a problem.
0: That's a really good point. Staying ahead of the curve. Talk about how do you stay current. It sounded like you were you're reading articles, but obviously our industry changes so dramatically. Uh, talk about how do you stay on top of things.
1: Yeah, I I do it in a few different ways. I mean, number one, just being in HR in the financial services industry, I I think it's important to stay on top of our industry. So. One is just being connected internally and externally with different business leaders, understanding the business. I do a lot of reading, different articles and, and blogs. And then I am a proponent of research. So we have a membership right now to I4CP, which is a research firm. And that's a little bit more on the human capital side. i have used things in the past like Gartner and Burzin, And then, you know, yeah, a lot of reading as well.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. In our ever-changing world, it does say something. I think what differentiates uh, individuals is who is current and who isn't. So, great point that you're making. Uh, So, let's uh, dovetail into our topic, which is implementing culture change in an organization. Let's start off with, I know this is a hot topic within the mortgage space and and also financial services, but let's define culture and let's define what, what that all means first, before we talk about how we implement strategies. Sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, culture, there's a lot of different definitions. There was one from years ago that I hear a lot of people using, um, which is just how we do stuff around here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a nice, simple one, but it's really, you know, the shared habits, norms, expectations, behaviors and non-negotiables within a community or within an organization. And and sometimes those are um, really clear and sometimes those are unspoken, but it's kind of how we all show up.
0: And so when you look at culture from the standpoint, certainly this last two years have been incredible change. What is it from a company standpoint? How do you identify that the culture needs to be changed or what goes into that part before you even start changing a culture?
1: Yeah, I mean there's a lot of different factors to look at and sometimes it can depend on the organization, uh what you might care about and what you want to look at. You know, for for me some of the things are just getting a gauge on employee engagement and sentiment getting a gauge on from a credit union standpoint, we have members or your customer satisfaction and looking at some of those metrics, looking at financial performance. I mean, you can't be a high performing organization if your financial performance isn't where it needs to be. And so kind of pairing all of that and then also benchmarking yourself against, you know, different markers in the industry. That's a good way to gauge where you're at and and if you maybe need to shift.
0: And so when you're talking about once you've done this benchmarking, which I think a lot of companies don't really do, so it's great to hear that you're doing all of that. Um, and then you're talking about the change component. A lot of times what I see at leadership levels, they have all different interpretations what they need to change to. So mm-hmm. talk about that.
1: So something that I've experienced recently and, and I, I think with culture change, I will I will say it's uh it's a complex process, and if you've gone through it once before and you do it again, it's going to be different. So, um, recently, um, having uh, gone through it and I'm honestly just going through it uh, with our organization, is we established our strategy. We're really clear on where we want to go, who we are as an organization, and kind of redefine things like purpose, mission, vision, values, and you know, got really clear on our priorities. And then, we met with employees within the organization and talked through, okay, what do we think are those behaviors, those habits, those norms, non-negotiables that we should really have in place to drive our culture to kind of be who who we say we want to be. And through these conversations, what I experienced was really interesting. Employees had a hard time even going there because they were feeling the pain of some operational problems and processes mm-hmm. that were in place. And so we actually took a step back and realized, okay, we need to engage our leaders in this conversation and think through kind of from an appreciative inquiry type of lens Okay, what will it look like if we get there and get really clear on future state and then define where we are at now? and then look at the gap. And and that really helps us figure out how do we get from kind of A to B. But it's really engaging employees and leaders in the conversation to define where you're at, where you want to go and how you're going to get there.
0: So it sounded like the the first hurdle that you ran across is that because the employee knows the, her, the problems, in other words, the systems don't work, they don't speak to each other. And, mm-hmm. and it, was that really what you were getting from them is that they were saying to management and leadership, okay, these are problems that we need to fix is that what you yes.
1: were yes oh okay 100% and they were feeling the they were feeling the pain when we were having these initial conversations our employees in, in roles who couldn't drive the change were were kind of right. expressing the pain they were feeling so and that was a really important data point to have
0: right and so was that shocking or was that an eye opener or talk about was leadership surprised? They didn't think it was as bad? Or, or, or what do you, what do you, what was your experience? Um, I don't think
1: it was shocking per se, but uh, I think what was interesting was um, we, we were wanting to engage our employees in the conversation of like, what does future state look like? Mm-hmm. But because they had these pain points, it was hard for them to even think past that. So right. that was kind of the, supr- the surprising factor for us. And what we realized was we need to fix these problems now. And quickly.
0: Right. And so then once you've gone through that stage, and I know you're in an ongoing process of culture change, did the employees buy into that this was serious? Or, because a lot of times management talks about, oh, we're going to do something with our culture, and then nothing really happens. I mean, did they feel you were serious or, or what did you run across?
1: yeah they did, and I think it's because we involved them, so mm-hmm. what we're creating and kind of our future state is a product of what our employees are saying we need to be, and so because of that we're we're getting that buy in and and we're being taken seriously absolutely
0: so what is the counter argument to that maybe the employees are down who are in the trenches may not know what the future state should look like I mean, how do you address that?
1: yeah, it's interesting i what the, what we did and what was helpful was to really understand some of those pain points. And then even if they couldn't identify that future state, we could take that with our leadership team to say, okay, what do we need to fix in order to get there? And so we could kind of articulate it for
0: our employees and help make it happen. Oh, oh I, that's a great idea for sure. Great strategy. So talk about the employees that when you went through this process, that, and also at the management level, some folks don't want to change and they, they're not going to go through the process. What was the reaction when you decided that you wanted to roll out a culture change? Talk about how you handled all of that.
1: Yeah. um, So change is a really uh, important topic for me. I've studied change and change management quite a bit and got my master's in organization development and change. Mm. So it is a very uh, emotional process for people. And so you have to be really clear about what you're changing, why you're changing and how it's going to impact your different audiences and kind of help everyone along. So, and we've used different methodologies to really think through what do our people need in order to buy into the change and and want want to change. There's a great model through ProSci, if you've ever heard of ProSci, called ADCAR, which is a nice way to think through that people need their awareness, they need desire, knowledge, and ability, and reinforcement to kind of move through any given change. But the nice thing about, I think, Changing culture, at least from my experience, is that it was a good thing. So when you're changing something to be better, it's a much easier thing to change, and you have less resistance. So typically, if you're making the right moves and you're changing based on what your employees are saying they want and need, and what the market's saying they want to need, it shouldn't be that hard. It just it still though will take.
0: And there will be resistors. Talk about the resistors. Do they, in other words, move on, or are they just resist.
1: Yeah, they, there are resistors. And, you know, because uh, for at least in my experience, we're moving into a a more positive space, something that, you know, the majority of employees want, those resistors tend to self-select out. They're going to go somewhere else. And you have to have things in place to say, you know, this is who we are. This is our culture. And if, if that doesn't match your values and your desires, then this may not be the right place for you
0: so is it more difficult in other words, in the master strategy and talk about Ellie from the standpoint of certainly you can tie together with financial numbers and and that we need to have these numbers but it it really would be I think fair to say in most change issues that the organization is either not making their numbers or in fact, they're trying to move into a much different space. So therefore they have to recruit different people or there's some combination that has to happen. And I think I talk about that first and then we'll talk about another issue that I think comes up all the time.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, Yeah, you have to change a lot of your processes. So like, not only are you changing your culture and helping your current employees shift, but then you have to look at recruitment and make sure you are recruiting people who fit into the culture and being clear about what that is. And then you also have to manage performance that's tied to culture so that you keep the system kind of working and and ongoing. You can't just sort of say, okay, we're changing culture and we're done, It's it's a living, breathing process.
0: Right. And so is it more difficult from your research and also your experience to go from a organization that was doing well to now doing even better? Or is it more difficult to go from uh, an organization that is not doing well and we need to move on to change? What, what types of changes actually are, uh, look like depending upon the type of issue?
1: Yeah, I think it can be hard if you're if you're going from an organization that's not doing well to one that really needs to perform. That can mm-hmm. be hard, especially right. for those who are used to kind of functioning in the status quo type of environment. And I do think that's where recruiting can help a lot. You know, I have seen before where we've got teams that are sort of just, you know, status quo and then you recruit people who are high performers and they really push on people who haven't performed like that before. I've heard it called the Peloton effect where sure. you've got someone comes in, you know, they're in the front and then people want to catch up to them. And that's actually really exciting to see. And when, when you kind of see that shift in people and they're like, oh, I, that's what they're doing. And, oh, I can do that. And then they kind of tap into their their own power, which is really exciting.
0: But it's also hard to recruit those types of people to come into an organization that has a reputation of being, let's say, you know, lackadaisical. Is that what you find?
1: It can be, but I have had great success recruiting people into a changing organization because a lot of the time those folks are really excited to implement and drive change and push people. So it it can be a selling point,
0: actually. That's a good point. Yeah, that is really a good point. So we only have a few minutes left, and this is such an important topic. Is there a couple highlights that you want to give or takeaways for our listeners today on this topic?
1: Sure. You know, I think with culture change, like I said, it it is very complex. And I do think that it can't be a top down uh, approach. It has to be top down, bottom up, coming from the sides. It has to be everyone doing it together. If, if a leadership team comes in and they make the decisions on what a culture needs to be and they don't engage their staff, I, I think that you're gonna set yourself up to fail. But if you only do grassroots and you don't have your leadership team engaged, then you could be set up to fail too. So you really have to think about it holistically. And then if you're going through a culture change, I think just being really clear about who you want to be and what it's going to look like when you get there. And that will help you kind of define out a lot of the details that, that come with it.
0: Well, there are certainly great words of wisdom. And I want to thank everybody for listening today. I certainly appreciate you spending time with us. And Ellie, you were fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you spending time with us. If your sales team needs training in hiring and lead generation, schedule a free consultation by emailing me at psherlock at qfsconsulting.com.